Hello and welcome to iDeveloper Live, episode oh, 45, I think. I didn't even bother looking up before we started. Oh, it would give me great pleasure today to introduce a man of many talents, but I couldn't find one, so instead I'm going to introduce Mr. John Fox. Oh, Scotty, you know, all this meanness eventually wears away. It's like you're creating a grand canyon of depression in my heart. John, any anything that large I can create in you is just amazing. <laughs> Did I really just say that? I have no idea. Did I? <laughs> anyway, off to a great start already. Oh. This show is starting at its normal level of uh, quality as, as ever, with all the preparation that goes into it. Um, two great guests with us today. Um, oh, not not in any order of greatness, but totally randomly selected. Let's start with uh, Mr. Dave Whiskers. How are you, Dave? I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. Why don't you just introduce yourself for the uh, adoring public? Happy to. Uh, I'm, I'm Dave Whiskus. I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a designer for iOS and Mac software applications. Uh, by day, I work for a company called Black Pixel. And uh, in this particular case, Kyle and I uh, made a thing called Slender, and uh, I, I did a big chunk of the design on that. Okay, well, you've sort of so you've, given you've away the mystery, mystery of, our, of our second guest. So who is this mystery man? Card? Dave, why don't you introduce the mystery man? Oh, wow. That's, that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of weight. Uh, there, there are many things I could say about Kyle. He is a, a man, a mystery, a legend, uh, a beautiful human being, Mr. Mr. Kyle Richter. Hello, everybody. Thank you for the, uh, the hype up there, Dave. I'm sure I won't <laughs> be able to live up to it. Yeah, so Kyle, tell us what you really like. Oh, sorry. Tell us who you are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm Kyle Richter. I'm the uh, CEO and founder of Dragon Force Software, and we're just a uh, iOS and Mac dev shop that's been around since 2004, cranking out some software. And you, you've been developing iOS apps since 2004. That's astounding. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. Right in the uh, the pre-existence stage of iPhone development, it was all that development, hoping that a mobile device that runs Objective C would become available at one day. He had a really early SDK. Yeah, as I say, you guys, you said he was an amazing man. Now that really does show, doesn't it? <laughs> right now, you guys have uh, uh, recently um, uh, released an app that is going to be of interest to uh, uh, maybe or should be to uh, some of our listeners. So um, uh, let's just start. Tell us, um, one of you, I don't know if you two have got, you know, have you got a marketing spiel that you sort of work between you here, or do you want me just to pick on one of you? Um, yeah, Carl, you tell us. Tell us about this app that you released <laughs> and why we're talking to talking about it. We don't want the designer to do it. It'll get all flowery. <laughs> yeah. Well, D- Dave's also in charge of our marketing. Bob oh, is he? The, okay, uh, then I'll skip him altogether and we'll come straight to the developer. <laughs> It'll all be lies if you ask me. <laughs> so uh, Sl- Slender app is a, uh, a Mac utility for analyzing how you're using your image assets in an Xcode project. So in short, it kind of gives you a uh, overview of how your assets are being used, what source code files are being used in, and any kind of problems that you may have with uh, image mismatch between retina and non-retina and a lot of other good kind of uh, info on your asset usage. That's actually very cool. It is really It's it's more than just pin crush. (laughs) We like it. (laughs) It, It's great. I mean, just the other day I downloaded um, um, some uh, open source code from a project from GitHub. And in the first thing I did was, um, you know, run it straight through Slender. And it told me about all this stuff that's in it that wasn't being used and therefore I could just ignore. So that was really useful straight away. It's, it's handy for uh, for finding the stuff you can ignore and finding all the stuff you can pull out of of what will eventually be the final binary. 
Because as long as there's restrictions around what you can download, uh, like that 20 meg limit for, for iOS apps over the air, uh, there's always going to be a need for being concerned about it. And now that the iPad 3 is coming out and surely we'll have some type of retina display, is it still using the same kind of at 2x naming convention? Or is there something new that we need to know about? Well, we haven't uh, really heard about what it's uh, going to be using yet. We're assuming it has to be something different between, because a lot of people are using the At 2X on their uh, iPads for the uh, the non-retina. So an At 4X or something like that might be possible. We're just uh, waiting to the uh, for the SDK to be opened up so we can get Slender fixed and shipped out to handle that stuff as soon as possible. Yes. Well, well, Hans, let's, let's patch in Scott Forstall just a moment. <laughs> as soon as Apple gives us something, as soon as Apple is... Uh, willing to to release the specs, which I, I think might happen as early as this week, maybe maybe even Wednesday or whenever they're doing their announcement, uh, then yeah, we'll, we'll bake in support for it. Now, is that something that's going to require a new binary, a, a new update, and then you're going to be waiting for the App Store uh, approval process? Or is there some magic <laughs> server-side config file that, that you can just update? Oh, Kyle, we should do that. Yeah, there, there currently is not a, uh, a magic uh, JSON server file that uh, handles any kind of parsing or things like that. It's, it's a great idea. I think I'm going to uh, get rolling on that this week now and steal yeah. that from you. Yeah, you're in charge of that one, Kyle. <laughs> okay, so let, let, let's take a step back, okay? Because, I mean, we, we, we've immediately John has asked you about support for something that doesn't exist yet. Yeah, that's a typical, <laughs> that's, that's a typical user. I've, down, I've downloaded your app that really helps um, me cook curry, so how do I bake a cake? Um, it's, uh, that's <laughs> one star. <laughs> that's the way, the way it goes, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Um, so let, let's just go back. Yo, um, tell us a little bit. I, I, I'm interested. I don't know if anybody else is, but it's my show, so I don't care. Um, you yeah, know, about, you know, where this idea came from what was it is this uh, sort of something that was driving you mad on a project or is it a yeah was it just thought well that's not a bad idea maybe some developers would be interested in that we'll make some cash yeah where, where did the idea come from and then you know tell us a bit how it developed and what you chose for the app to do and not do and i guess by doing that we can talk about the features in the app and educate our listeners at the same time as well as having sort of a story and history of it so um, we, we do a lot of uh, consultant projects at Dragonforge, and a lot of our clients like to change the designs up uh, fairly regularly. So we uh, wind up with these projects with a lot of assets in it that belong to the, the wrong design or you know, just never end up getting used or are the wrong you know, dimensions. So we had our interns go through you know, every couple of days and clean out our various projects and make sure everything was uh, up to spec and you know, the smallest amount of binary that we can get in there. And I was looking at the, uh, the hours logged by our interns to do it. And it was a ridiculous amount of hours. And I said, well, yeah, I can automate this because they're just kind of going through the source files anyways. Um, so I started automating it into, um, into a command line tool and it you know, started growing. And eventually I got an uh, interface designed around it and I brought Dave into a loop. And I said, hey, you know, I'm writing this tool. You guys want to uh, check this out and see if it's helping you? And he looked at it and he said, well, yeah, I want to do a full design for it. And it kind of just kept growing into you know, the project that it is today. Well, let me let me make a small correction to that story. Sure. Because so, <laughs> well, Kyle came to me uh, and and told me about this idea, which sounded like a good idea. And uh, you know, when when Kyle has a good idea, you you really want to listen because that doesn't it doesn't always happen. <laughs> uh, no, the, the the idea this was we've been we've worked together in the past, and we've always kind of. Uh, I guess had this itch. We, we kind of wanted to do another thing together. We kind of wanted to work on something together. And we we kicked around ideas for side projects for a long time. And uh, one day he mentioned the idea for Slender, and it was like, wow, that's that that's kind of that that could be something pretty great. That could be that that's really useful to me. Suddenly now there's this this itch that, of ours that we're scratching. And uh, 
when he showed me the the first pass on design, so it's like, well, you know, I've got got other stuff going on. I don't know how much time I can put into this. And he sent me the first the first pass on design, and I looked at it and I thought, like, this is this is good, but it's very obviously like by developer for developers kind of a thing. What, what you are and, saying here, Dave, is is he had a good idea, but it was but ugly. <laughs> well, that that happens sometimes, right? Um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. Right. I'm not going to confirm confirm or deny that that's exactly what I mean. But no, it was. I mean, it was fine. It looked. It looked. He probably could have shipped politicians. But you it, just have. You've just confirmed it was but ugly. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Well, it. it, it honestly, it could have. It could have shipped that way. It was a, a fine enough looking app. But I looked at it and it like th- there were there were things that like sort of poked at me that, that I wanted to go in and, and move around. And so it wasn't a, a tremendous amount of, of interface effort in in the sense of like rearranging uh, the way you use the app or anything like that. But it was it was a lot of like, well, how how can we tweak this to make it just a little bit more usable, just a little bit better. So at that point, when you first saw it, was it was it feature complete, Carla? Did you already put all the features you wanted into it, or was it? Did that point you guys sort of start saying? Did you start saying, well, what about could it? And, and or, you know, at what stage did you choose to uh, involve Dave in in the design, Carla? Was it just sort of I've done it, oh, it needs to be a bit prettier, or did you think <laughs> I need to, you know, maybe yeah. now we need to look at this a bit differently because it's becoming more a serious project? I'm actually now putting some time into this. Well, when I showed Dave, it was a uh, feature complete for what I wanted. Uh, we, we say that. <laughs> and then uh, Dave, you know, In other it, words, it was it a just, one-man project. just fired project. the interns. I, yeah, well, the, the interns never really even saw. I, I just kind of wrote it myself in, you know, whatever free time that I had. So it was, you know, I was getting ready to, to show it to everybody. And I showed it to Dave before anybody else really saw it. And, you know, it was the first time that you had a second voice on the project. And Dave said, well, you know, hey, we should get a search bar in there because it's handy to be able to search for stuff. And, you know, we should have this nice, you know, drop screen and uh, project list on the side is all stuff that, you know, came from Dave's mind after we... Uh, after I thought the project was feature complete and, you know, once Dave became involved, it was, I, it was probably another four or five weeks of uh, work between, you know, getting the uh, designs out of Dave, implementing them and having a lot of back and forth and figuring out what we should do with these new features that uh, he's recommending that, you know, we determined all were a good idea at the end of the day. And, you know, another few weeks of bug fixing on those features after that. And all said and done, as, as happens, Kyle comes to me with something and he's about ready to ship it. And then a designer gets involved and it ships three months later. Yeah. I, I, I was ready to ship the, uh, the day I showed it to Dave. It was just kind of a, hey, look at this. What do you think? And he was like, oh, well, you know, move this here. But let's add this feature. Let's get a search bar in there. Let's get this project list in there. Let's get inline reloading in there. And it was like, oh. I just kind of wanted to, you know, thumbs up. That <laughs> there's a lot of, oh, there's a lot I didn't of, oh, really want your yeah, opinion. Don't uh, no, you just tell me how great I was. And you, well, you want uh, validation on it, you know, as opposed to, you know, somebody to come in and, you know, redesign the whole app. But I mean, it had no design. It was a developer tool. And, you know, my, my line of thought there was I could release a developer tool as long as it wasn't even, you know, command line. People would be happy. And, you know, Dave being a designer, he said, well, you know, we have to make this like it's a consumer tool. Well, my philosophy is uh, developers are people too, and they deserve good UI. Developers are people too. <laughs> Some of my best friends are developers, and I don't, I don't want to treat them like second-class citizens and give them crappy interfaces just because we can. Yeah, I bet this is the only show you'd admit <laughs> that on. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, okay, I mean, I'd say when I first downloaded it from the App Store, and uh, you know, I, I love the fact that you know this 
it was a developer tool, uh, but sometimes you, you get a developer tool and it's like, I'm sure this is really powerful, but I don't know where to begin. Um, whereas this, it was just, you know, one window came up and it says, just says, drag your Xcode project here. <laughs> and that was it. There, w- there was no confusion. There was nothing else I could even do. <laughs> you know, I obeyed the instruction or I closed the app. That was it. That was my choice. Um, and that worked quite well for someone simple like me. Oddly enough, if you don't obey the, uh, obey the instructions there, we still handle it pretty gracefully. Um, some of our early beta testers couldn't figure out dragging and dropping an Xcode <laughs> folder. So um, well, if, you, if you click that, it, uh, it works too. If you uh, drag the project file in without the folder, it works. Uh, well, there's some iconography <laughs> problems. Like you show people, even though it's in a folder, you show people a, a project file icon and it says drag and drop. They don't read any further than that. So trying to drag and drop in their project file, not the folder, and that didn't work. Yeah. People clicking on the thing, thinking that would do something. Yo, do you know well, what? To what be totally really honest, it wasn't folder. until you just said the word folder that I thought, does it say folder? Oh, yeah, so it does. But I've been dragging the project. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really wants the folder so it can you know, figure out where your, your root file structure is. But you know, if, we, if you drag in the project, we just look at one directory above it and assume that's what you meant. So yeah, you there's a lot of debate idiots. on that. E- idiots like me. <laughs> we tried to make it idiot proof. There's yeah. a lot of debate. Uh, I, I said there's 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 no way there's no way we have to support people dragging in because I I was making that same mistake and uh, and Kyle said no we don't have to support that people are smart enough and I'm like I wasn't and and I'm helping you make the thing so maybe uh, I wrote the copy that that went right there maybe maybe we should fix this maybe we should put folder in red or something yeah so uh, I'm curious a little bit about how it works. You know, so you have to you have to kind of figure out the the, the universe of files you're going to go running through. So yeah. there's a combination of, of source code and, and presumably you know interface builder files and and oh. Xcode. Did, is this something that uh, was a piece of cake to do, or did you find it actually? Because it seems to me it'd be rather rather difficult. The uh, the hardest part was dealing with the uh, the project file itself, parsing that. Um, yeah, we we tried to really support you know not just the latest Xcode files, but you know back at least a couple of versions. And there was all kinds of under the cover changes there to that file structure that never really were publicly made uh, uh, announced by Apple. So it was it was a lot of figuring out what was happening in that XML and pulling the data out of it. Uh, when we got to actually you know each individual file, we just handle them as we went. You know, C file. Files, uh, C++ files. Uh, we do HTML and CSS and uh, zib and nib files. So we handle a lot of different file structures. And once you get down to that level, it's just kind of seeing how they they store and reference the assets. And did you, you know, is this all your own code, or are you using some command line tools of, of sorts like Set or, or that kind of stuff? Or, or I think you copied and pasted uh, most of it from Stack Overflow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't even know there was any third party uh, options there. No, it's it's a hundred percent my own code um, based on you know the Arc frameworks and all that kind of good ten point seven stuff. Astounding. Yeah, we were so, all very proud of him. Well, so but then so. Th- <laughs> You you unleash this tool and okay so back to interns because that that cracks me up because yeah. <laughs> a, a million years ago it, it, Martha Stewart was was our you know my company's uh, client for a digital asset management system and, and and when we were in the early days of of kind of helping them to justify it we were talking about you know 
hours and hours and days safe for not futzing with files, trying to find the right version of something, trying to, to get a hold of this. And she kind of says, look, you know, we don't care. There's always a line of people who want to come in and do this kind of stuff. So, you know, that, that wasn't the hot button issue. It ended up being something else, which is fine. We got the business, but that always cracked me up a little bit. So, but you were, you were scratching your own itch and you had teams of interns who, who, whose welfare you were concerned about that, that you should practically get the humanitarian of the year. <laughs> I, but, I wouldn't say we had teams. I mean, I, I have two, but <laughs> that's that's probably considerably more than many. Um, but once you had the app kind of just barely working, mm-hmm. I, I'm ga- I'm guessing that you unleashed it upon a number of, of projects. Were you even yourself <laughs> no. surprised at the the number of of you know missing files or or excess files even in your carefully crafted projects? Well, the the good thing is I had you know eight years of projects stored up because I don't think the the first time I ran Slender on any of them it actually worked, uh, so we had a, a good test bed to, to play against. But once we actually got Slender up and working, there were always I mean a lot of projects that we had out the door, and you know a lot of even our in house products that you know we've been really proud of. We found tons of stuff in there that just kind of got lost in the weeds and yeah you know, wasn't being used anymore, and it was like is this accurate? I, I don't, I, I can't imagine that we're not using this stuff. And, you know, you dig into it and it turns out that, you know, you end up saving a lot of room in projects that you had, you know, interns go through and carefully optimize. Yeah. I mean, there, there's lots of reasons to care about this, you know, kind of keeping the, keeping the footprint as, as small as possible, but even, even just having, a, you know, a build fail, somebody checks it out, it fails to build because you, you know, there's some stray file that you, that hasn't been used in a long time. And it takes you a while before you realize that, oh, you know, the only reason it's working on my machine, cause it's already there in the build director and I haven't built clean in, in, in years. Yeah, there's a lot said that keeping your projects clean, even if you're not too worried about the uh, the binary size. When you have you know huge folders filled of uh, images, it gets very difficult to be able to find the ones that you are using. And even if you're not concerned about your binary size, it's important to uh, to keep an eye on what's in there because it yeah you know, gets messy really quick. You know, I never thought about this before, but you know those uh, those occasions where Apple has accidentally left in an at two x iPad asset and everybody oh, freaked right. out. Ah, Slender yep. would have solved that. Yeah, yeah. Was, th- this yeah. could keep somebody from getting fired. I bet. In in the past, if they have a time machine and a copy of Slender, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then, well, we can help them with a copy of Slender. Slender. <laughs> <laughs> and my time machine backup failed, so I can't help them with that. Um, it, you said it works on, on CSS and HTML, so this yep. this could be just of 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 incredibly useful use to uh, just web developers or website designers, right? I mean. We're getting a lot of uh, feedback right now, people who are looking for that. Currently, the uh, HTML and the CSS support requires an Xcode project. A lot of people bundle you know, HTML files into their app for info screens and things like mm-hmm. that. So we, we search through those, but we get a lot of emails from uh, web developers you know, wanting this tool. And we're, uh, we're currently working on a feature where you can just kind of drop in a, uh, a website project and it will uh, see what's being used and what's not for you. But the, the, the whole process doesn't doesn't kind of kick off until it, it says, hey, I've got an Xcode project. So if, if I wanted to sneakily no. try it now, it, it won't work at all? Or No, um, yeah, it, it, needs, it needs that project to, uh, to be able to kick off. We, um, th- there are several stages that Slender goes through from analyzing the, uh, the project to find the uh, linked object IDs in Xcode to figuring out the, uh, the group trees and the structures in the, uh, the Xcode uh, finder and yeah, going from there. So you'd basically just have to skip all those first checks and slender if it you know, fails a check, it just kind of 
doesn't keep going. <laughs> so no, one, one thing we could do, and this is, I'm, I'm making it sound easy from a designer's perspective, yeah. but uh, the, the kickoff point for the app to start scanning is dropping a folder or dropping a file. If the folder they drop in there is a folder that contains an HTML project or a PHP project or something like that, uh, if it doesn't in the scanning detect uh, an Xcode project file, it could just scan for these other things. And we could move from there. Yeah, believe it or not, Dave, that's what I'm actually working on. <laughs> oh, God. You're, you're on top of it, though. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, I guess. <laughs> I certainly did. Sometimes uh, Dave will come to me and he'll be like, Slender does this really cool thing. It's like, yeah, I know. I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because, you know, he's, he's just doing the, uh, the interface design and stuff. So sometimes he'll get real deep into it. Slender does a lot of, you know, really neat generate and report stuff and a lot of uh, kind of advanced features I have in there we don't really talk about. And you'll stumble across one one day and he'll be like, this is really cool. Do you know about this? And be like, yeah, I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know about this? How many other developers are working on this? <laughs> Well, Dave, again, Dave I know you're a designer, but do you think code. features magically write themselves sometimes? <laughs> I assume. <laughs> okay, um, just, uh, I, I mean, yeah, this is an app that's you know, probably got some fairly complex code in it, probably has to do some clever parsing stuff and, and all the rest of it. But in essence, it's you know, a tool that does a job, a simple job, and so there's not a huge amount to talk about in in. in you know, it's not like we're trying to you know, talk about Xcode as a tool or something as simple. Okay, but you have entered, um, obviously you now sell this on the Mac App Store. And I, I don't know, Carl, when you set out to do this, did you set this out, set out to be a tool that you were going to sell or was that something that came along <laughs> later? Because you've traditionally yeah. entered a market, what should we say, that people don't like spending money. Cheap bastards, I think. I think that's the word I was question. trying to avoid saying, but you so accurately put in there, John. Um, yeah, it's it's... You know, this is not, you know, I remember when I first came to um, uh, OS X and Mac development, sort of 2007-ish, you know, coming from the, the .NET world, um, the .NET world was just absolutely full of people whose life was spent selling developer tools and developer kits and, and, and plugins and all this sort of stuff. And you could make a really good living doing that. Um, you know, the first thing I noticed when moving to the, uh, yeah, the Mac world was the total absence of any developer tool or plugin market at all. I don't, I, I think I couldn't even find one initially back then. Um, I know that's sort of changing a little bit, but you know, is this something you've now decided to sell because you've done it? Did you set out to sell it? And if you did, is that a business model that's now working for you <laughs> without giving us details? <laughs> so, I don't expect you to tell us your details, but yeah, you know, could, could you, could making a developer tool be a financially viable thing in your opinion? That's about 9,000 questions. Feel to answer any one of them <laughs> you wish to. So I'll start with how we actually wound up on the uh, the Mac app store. I mean, initially, Slender was an internal project, and it was never designed to, to be used outside of Dragonforge. And then, you know, we started to invite some of our friends to look at it, and they, you know, encouraged us to keep making the betas wider. And eventually, you know, it became something that had a, a viable market, and, you know, I was going to give it away for free. And then we kept adding features to it, and it became, you know, a big time sink uh, for me to, to maintain it right. So we... Um, you know, got enough features in there where we felt comfortable charging for it and then, you know, put it on the Mac App Store. What we've noticed about the uh, developer tool base on the Mac App Store is those people are out there and uh, they're looking for these tools. There's a lot of developers who are looking to, to streamline their processes and make anything, uh, anything that they can do to, to become more efficient. Um, so I think there's a huge market out there for Mac tools or Mac developer tools. And, uh, Right now, there's not a lot of people doing them, so I think that's a, a big uh, floodgate that's waiting to open. 
So I would uh, fully encourage people to uh, to work on developer tools for uh, other Mac and iPhone programmers. And you know, granted, there's there's not a ton of money in it, but I think there's a sustainable uh, amount of money in it. Enough to keep your unpaid interns happy. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep them oh, paid. Our gonna... interns are paid. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, there was a lot of discussion about paid versus unpaid uh, in the very beginning, and I, I was pushing for paid, but that's you know, I guess the the, the marketing we should get paid for this guy in me. Uh, it, it was a question of well, d- Apple gives away their developer tools, but when we make things, we should be charging for them because Apple already has a huge source of income, and and these things are effectively paid for by all. I mean, these things are are drawing people to the platform, so there's a huge financial upside to them, even if they're giving these tools away. Uh, but for for small developers, indie developers, there's there's not uh, as much. Uh, it, it's harder to put in to, to to account for the overhead when you're just saying, oh well, it'll bring people to my business or something like that. And so there's there's a push for. We should, we should help set a standard that if you're going to make something good and you're going to make something available to people that is going to help them do their job or, or particularly to help them make better software themselves where they're going to go out and in turn make money on that software, uh, it, it absolutely makes sense to charge for it. Had you, but you'd never thought about like an advertisement supported model where while you're poking around their Xcode and source code files, you're saying, man, this really sucks. Perhaps you'd like some help with some, some software development <laughs> services. You need version control. Uh, I I don't know. I, that had never even come up. That had never even crossed my mind. Yeah. We never, we never talked about analyzing for, you know, somebody who doesn't know how to use, you know, retain or something and kind of pop up a message saying, Hey, you know, you should pay us to write your software for you because your stuff is terrible. Um, that's a slippery slope. (laughs) It's a slippery slope. But an amusing one. I think we, um, me and Dave, we did talk briefly about, uh, putting ads in the, uh, the app as a, uh, a method of support. And I, I don't think that method was, uh, really viable to either of us. We're not big ad supported type people. And I think the, uh, the better approach was to, uh, to sell it straight up on the Mac app store as opposed to ad supported. I think any ad supported app I've ever used. My first thought is, wow, I really wish I could just give them money and turn these ads off. So on that point, so, you know, if, if an ad supported thing reduces the friction to the point where you'll download it so long it's easy enough for you to ha- to say, hey, I like this enough, I want to turn it off. Is, is, that, is that your general feeling towards ad supported software or do you think that there are some that are so obnoxious that, that you say, I don't care, I'm not going to use it? Uh, if- I personally think that ad supported software is kind of people who don't see a value in their own software and they want to collect a couple of cents from each user here and there as opposed to actually sell it. So the ad supported stuff, I just, I get that feeling that the, the person who wrote or developed the software doesn't really think it's valuable. Yeah, when you when you put ads in your app, suddenly your user is your product, and that that gets into a weird place where you're. Uh, it, it's harder to think about the user as the user. It's harder to to build for them because now you're worrying about ads and how many, uh, maybe getting more clicks or, or whatever it is. That's that's not that wasn't really the philosophy we went into this with. It was more we're making a professional tool. If this if this were a piece of consumer software, I think maybe it would be easier to justify that. But because this is very much a tool for professionals to do their job, uh, leaving out ads felt like a more professional decision. Yeah. I mean, your time is, is how do you, how do you value that? I mean, if you value it as much as, as you should, then yeah, this is like a no brainer. So, but on, on that price point, so did you guys experiment with, with, with different price points or was nine ninety nine just magic from the beginning? Um, we argued a lot about the price point. We continue to, uh, to have a lot of, uh, 
civil discussions about the uh, the price point, even you know till today. We're almost um, always arguing. It's yeah, we, we do. <laughs> I, I think it actually helps to uh, to be fighting with a, a business partner a lot too, because you actually, if you're passionate about it, you're going to get real results. But the uh, the, the nine 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 price point, I uh, I personally right now I feel that's still too low. Um, so we're looking at getting more features in there, getting the web support in there, and then reevaluating the uh, the price down the road. But um, you know, we when we first released it, we had it on sale for fifty percent off as part of a whole. You know, your app wants to get slimmed down for the new year kind of promotion, and uh, we got a lot of sales off that. But you know, there's only so many developers out there, and the five dollar app doesn't really uh, become too viable with the uh, the limited number of developers. Yeah, and your question from earlier about uh, about sales. Uh, I don't know how much we want to say about numbers, but I'll say that, uh, yeah, what, what, how, how can I say this? Uh, it, it, we haven't made, uh, we're not, we don't have our own Island or anything like that. So tell us what, <laughs> what brand of whiskey you typically drink at the end of a day. That will give us an idea. <laughs> well, we, we both also do, uh, do have our day job. So that's, that's where yeah. the whiskey's really coming from. Uh, so okay, this okay, is, a, um, this is a critically Sorry, John, after Sorry. you. I've got a couple of questions from the chat room, but you go ahead first. We know you're more important than that. So this is – no, no, no. This is this. – well, this is incredibly important. <laughs> this is almost as important the T-shirt, the app icon. I want to know whose belly did you use the model for the bulge? So the uh, the app icon was the uh, the only thing of design that uh, Dave didn't do in the app. We had our in-house uh, icon guy do that for, uh, for Slender. Um, I, I don't think that's modeled after any of us. I think we're, uh, we're all trying to <laughs> – trying to stay on top of that stuff these days. <laughs> but, uh, the, the idea for, for Slender was pitched to me at the gym. So that, that should say something. That it was. Okay. Most, most of our Slender conversations happened at the gym. Um, so that, that will tell you, you know, our mindset there. We're painting a really awkward picture of ourselves, guys. <laughs> I know. Really. Yeah. At least, Ever I, seen at a least man said gym and not like sauna, you know? <laughs> Constantly fighting with each other at the gym. If, it were, if you weren't at the gym, what, you were watching gladiator movies? Or? <laughs> okay, uh, our, our seven listeners are down to three, so. <laughs> right, okay, I'm going to ask you some questions from the chat room, if that's okay. Please, sure. Okay, uh, does Slender support multiple targets? What does it do when there's multiple targets and how does it report it? So we, uh, we treat all targets kind of as one target right now. Uh, we do support embedded projects as well. Um, so as far as uh, Xcode internally for the, uh, the target, there's no real difference between that other than you know, what assets attached to what target. Uh, internally, we just kind of treat those all, all as uh, one kind of uh, source point. Um, I'm definitely working to, uh, to get that improved because we've been getting some feedback where people are uh, having you know, targets that don't include the same assets and you know, iPad, iPhone, non-universal stuff that's causing some uh, wonkiness in there. But um, we're definitely working towards a a better solution for that okay that's cool um the decision to go lion only was that down to the apis available or just you didn't want to be working on an older version <laughs> what brought you into that decision another so, argument yeah that's that's another argument my uh, i'm i'm the 10.7 only uh guy for sure uh, i think uh dave were you arguing more for uh 10.6 too I, I was arguing for 10.8 the whole way yeah, <laughs> no, I was ten seven. Um, maybe we didn't argue about this. Yeah, I, I know we've discussed it a bunch. Um, my my line of thought here, and uh, I've 
been proven wrong by our customers is that if you're developing software professionally, you're going to be on the latest operating system. Um, not so much, uh, unfortunately. Turns um, out not the case. Yeah, it's it's weird that you know people are like, I'm on 10.2 and I'm writing software for the iPhones. Like, how are you even doing that? Um, so a lot of it was you know uh, believing that developers you should be would asking be, why you know, are you even doing that. Device. <laughs> That's right. A lot of it was like people who were still working on older projects and their projects, like their contract hadn't ended or something like that. And, you know, that's more or less the, uh, the argument we, we made. The, the reason that we're, we're 10.7 only is uh, Slender is an uh, RMAC reference counting project, as well as some of the, uh, the APIs we use in our 10.7 only. So it would, uh, it would be a Herculean task to, uh, to get 10.6 support in at this point. So I'm just kind of hoping that you know, anybody eventually upgrades and stops emailing me asking for a 10.6 support. Okay, that's, um, that's an understandable answer. Um, we had a question Those out jerks. there. Um, so had you guys, and I'm, they, they put in brackets Carl and Dave, just in case I didn't know who they were talking about, um, <laughs> in case there were some other guys here with me. Uh, oh, they're in the corner of the room. Um, sorry, Keith, I wasn't really <laughs> mocking you that much. Uh, how do you guys, Carl and Dave, use Slender in your workflow? I mean, do you just run it before releasing? Do you do it as a, a regular thing? Is this a, a run once on a project thing or a run every five minutes? So um, uh, on my side, since I'm constantly you know working on Slender, I tend to to run it very aggressively all the time. Um, that's probably just because that I'm you know in there making changes to it and improving it. I'm constantly running it. Uh, I think once I get to a point where I'm not working on it every day, I think yeah, I'd probably be running it once every couple of weeks to kind of keep an eye on things. Um, the the thing with Slender is it's not going to always be 100% accurate. It's going to give you a feel for what's going on, but it can always miss stuff with false positives and false negatives. So if you get too deep into a project and you don't have a good grasp on what's being used anymore, you may just start deleting stuff that's actually being referenced in files that we don't parse or you know anything like that. So it's, it's probably best to run it at least every couple of weeks on a project as an active development. And I have no idea how Dave's doing it on his end. Dave, you want to fill us in? Yeah, I use it uh, during the production phase. So after or while I'm adding assets to a project, uh, if I'm opening up an old project, um, when I'm done adding assets to a project, because it happens to me all the time where I'll, I'll, I'll pull a bunch of assets out of Photoshop, I'll make them pretty, I'll make them perfect, I'll dump them in, and then things come up where maybe I have a better idea or maybe there's something I want to tweak a little bit and I'm moving assets around or maybe something that uh, was one asset I've now split into three so I can do an animation thing and I end up with assets that uh, you know one week ago I had every intention of using and then now I'm not so every every couple of days or every week or so I'll run it again on the project just to catch those things that I was missing and every time a designer hands me assets I, uh, I run it against them because a lot of times you know we'll see even in you know big popular GitHub open source projects that, you know, designers just don't understand what at 2x means and they're using the incorrect dimensions. Interesting. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with those people, but, you know, the at 2x uh, dimensions are almost never double the, uh, the non-retina dimensions. I didn't really realize that until I started you know, having an automatic tool to, to look at those dimensions for me. It's a byproduct of uh, designing for at2x and then shrinking things. Because if you design at2x and you create an asset that has a, a, is like 59 pixels wide, when you shrink that down to at1x, it's not going to land on an even number. So things are going to be just a little off. That's how that happens. 
So, so you should always then design things in, in whole numbers. Is are really kind of is that true? I, I, I didn't know that. Uh, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can you can do everything in at one x and then scale up and tweak once you've scaled up, um, or you can design in at two x and uh, make sure that your your numbers are are proper when you're in at two x, or you can design in at two x and then make sure that when you're shrinking everything down to at one x, you're going in and you're adjusting things to account for the the one or two pixel differences. Oh. And then, so there's the other great question from the thing, command line options or Apple script support? <laughs> um, yeah, I get asked that a lot, um, whether we can build, you know, command line tools into uh, to run it right off of Xcode with the uh, the build scripts. Um, it's it's something that's definitely on a list to do. It's nothing that I've roadmapped yet and can tell you, you know, 1.3 or 1.4 is going to have it. Um, if I hear a lot more buzz about it, I'll probably, uh, probably get it in quicker. I'm yeah, you know, I treat Slender a lot like uh, Apple's radar system. The uh, the more noise a feature makes, the uh, the more willing I am to put it in there because I want to stop those emails. Uh, then the important question from Judy Kitty. I don't know who she's uh, directing this to. <laughs> is that is that for Kyle or is that for Dave? That just went down really well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that's for Kyle. Okay. Right. Um, I think you guys had to disappear around now, didn't you? Or was, uh, are you were still okay for a bit more? Uh, I, I have a thing that I need to get to, Kyle. I think if you. I'm, yeah, I'm fine for a while. Okay. I have a nice blocked out schedule here for this. Obviously, the main problem we have here is uh, actually Dave is driving the call from his machine. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit mute and then step away for just a minute. All right. Okay. And so then, you, I, you, you can leave your machine on for us. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so then it's clear it's it's Dave who who was pooping. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm stepping away. That's uh, one serious man. If he that's one serious man. If he schedules his pooping, there we are. Okay, <laughs> Dave. Thank you. Thank very you. Very high schedule. Th- thank Eleven a.m. Mountain time. You know. <laughs> thank you very much for um, fitting us into your um, toiletry day. And uh, <laughs> we have, very very glad to do it. We do appreciate. Uh, when I come it. back, if you guys are still talking, I'll, I'll jump back in. Okay, that's uh, that's great. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Where does this show ever come from? I have no idea. Okay, right. Um, uh, where were we? Um, I have a, another question, though, serious one. So, in an ideal world, or 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 not, had you ever imagined it working kind of as an Xcode plugin, or is there even such a thing that you, as a third party, could do? I, we, we could definitely uh, have a command line kind of tie in there that you could uh, add as part of your build script that automatically calls Slender. But yeah, Slender is not really a tool that you want to have running every time you do a build. It's kind of a, you know, I, we, me and Dave went back and forth on whether we should even allow Xcode to be open when Slender's running because we do go in and modify the, uh, the project file uh, for you, uh, which you can do. Xcode supports that, but we don't really, you know, want it to be run at the same time that you're doing active development is kind of a, you know, stopping point for the day and check out where all your assets are being used, fix any problems, and then kind of put it down. So, you know, it, we could on a technical level tie it directly into Xcode. I don't think it's the, uh, the path that this tool should be taking, though. So, but then is the Xcode file format, I mean, if you run into problems or questions, are you able to ask, you know, do a DTS incident thing saying, hey, help me figure this out? Or they say, what are you doing mucking around our files? So, <laughs> Um, they, they weren't too complex to figure out. I mean, the, the new Xcode uh, file templates are, are fairly easy to uh, to understand once you, you kind of dig into it. Um, you know, the first day that I started working on Slender, I had them 
uh, a couple of projects opened up in the text mate and just trying to to figure out what everything did and where it went but there wasn't anything in there that i felt i needed to to bring apple engineers into the loop to uh to figure out so i i couldn't answer on uh what happens when you open a dts ticket on rewriting an xcode project <laughs> but is it is it something that you were you know were you for me, for example, if, if if I'm modifying a memory miner database, you know, I always make a backup copies, and I'm always a little bit nervous here and there because somebody is a lot of work, right? So, yeah. what steps would you have taken for for handling this, or was it just so, not even an issue? The, it's a huge issue for me. I mean, uh, data loss, especially in a uh, Xcode project, is a uh, a huge deal. Um, when we do rewrite a, a project file for you, we actually create a uh, slender backup folder in the uh, the root of the project. We transfer in all the assets that are being deleted as well as the original uh, project file. And we have just, uh, there's got to be three dozen safeties in that uh, that method that does it, just making sure that everything works along every step of the way, including doing a uh, diff between the uh, the files that we copy and the one that previously existed to make sure that there are, is uh, no problems with it before we go. And we uh, we've bow out if uh, anything goes wrong at all and uh, if you you know you slender enough and you know you might run into one of those incidents where you get a, a little alert that says hey you know something went wrong we've reverted everything we've done you know please step away and but you're are uh, you have this kind of quiet snarky confidence that anything you can do is 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 you know nothing compared with what xcode regularly does in the first five minutes of the day <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, the the way that we're we're going in there modifying stuff is you know completely paranoid for um, data integrity, and uh, we we double and triple check everything, and we fail out if anything goes wrong. So I have the utmost confidence in any part of Slender on the uh, the project rewrite, and that nothing can go wrong there. And yeah, famous last words and all that, but it's uh, it's been tested very rigorously against you know every kind of failure you can imagine. And is that why your cell phone number is in the support? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's not. But the uh, the support emails do come directly to me, so I, I have to deal with them at the end of the day. <laughs> right, well, that's Scotty. That's been really interesting. Um, so I've just been picking up on Twitter that uh, Test Flight has been acquired, and um, oh yeah, oh. yeah, by uh, Bursley, and they've released a new thing called Test Flight Live, showing lots of live stats and stuff on. On builds, I've just posted a link in the uh, chat room, and I'll post a link in the show notes. I haven't had time to really examine that now, but I know a lot of people use that, so maybe that's of interest to people. But of course, by the time you listen to this on the feed, you'd have known that from Twitter for about three days. So there we go. Right, okay. Um, now, actually, I'm we've um, Carl. Hopefully, if you can just hang around for just a few more minutes, you can join in with this next bit with us, if um, if that's okay. Um, you don't know what the next bit is yet, so I'm not expecting you to answer. Uh, we've started recently something called the Avtag Diaries. Now, um, Simon Wolf, let's all say hello to Simon. He's in the chat room. There we are. Okay, right. A couple of weeks ago, we started this thing called the Avtag Diaries. Now, Simon Wolf is a contractor, a consultant. He's been doing lots of um, uh, consulting work for different people, and he's just set out on his sort of um, his sort of spare time and making some time to develop his own product called Avtag. And um, I persuaded him to just making a regular audio diary um, of what was going on, just the thought process he was going through. And we were just going to share it, um, not every week, but just as they, as and when they come in. 
um, and, and then comment it. So um, he sent us another one in this week. It's all to do with about whether you should share your idea with anybody or not. So I'm just going to play it, and um, it's a couple of minutes long, and then we'll have a quick chat about it. So um, let's listen to the... Av- oh, Stan got music. John, can you give me some music for Avtag Diaries? Hello, and welcome to the second instalment of the Avtag Diaries with me, Simon Wolfe. The last couple of weeks have been slow development-wise due to a combination of half-term, my daughter being ill immediately after that, and then a short break in Rome. However, a Twitter exchange between myself and someone who's keen to know what Avtag actually is prompted this week's topic, which is about secrecy. When you have a good idea for an application, your instinct is probably to keep it secret in case somebody steals it. If I were better educated than I am, I would explain that all this harks back to some primeval instinct or other, but I'm not, so I won't. However, the reality is that most of us don't want people to steal our ideas, so we keep everything quiet, and I think this is completely misguided. The idea for Avtag came out of a particular annoyance which I encounter if not on a daily basis, then at least on a weekly one. I was positive that other people would also be annoyed by it, but I did have a doubt in the back of my mind, which was that I couldn't easily find any other applications that did what Avtag would do. Perhaps there wasn't really a need for it at all. However, I recall Steve Jobs' rationale for not carrying out market research, and his argument was essentially that people don't know what they want until you show it to them. My twist on this is that people may not be able to identify what annoys them because they can't envisage a solution. If you can't see a solution to a problem, it almost becomes unsolvable and therefore something you just put up with. Once I decided that this wasn't just a crazy application idea, I fought the secrecy instinct and started to talk to people about it. I picked a few trusted friends and relatives and I told them what the idea was and asked them what they thought of it. I didn't ask anyone to sign a non-disclosure agreement, but I did mention that it would be appreciated if they kept the idea quiet. I found two things generally happened as a result of these chats. The first was that an initial one-line explanation didn't really click with them. However, once I expanded it and gave them an example of how they could use the application, they suddenly became animated and excited. This immediately showed me that marketing is going to play a major part in the success of Avtag. I need to be able to convey how Avtag will be useful to someone in terms that resonate with them. And this is something I'm still working on. The second was that once people understood what Avtag did in terms they understood, they bombarded me with ideas about how they could use it and had all sorts of ideas about features I could add. This was fantastic. And seeing people fall in love with your idea is about as good as it gets. I've now got a long list of features, ideas and use cases that I'd not originally thought of. And whilst only a few may ever make it into Avtag itself, it immediately made me think about related applications which could incorporate some of the ideas that were suggested. It also made me see other possibilities and potential uses for the application. And the enthusiasm that others showed towards Avtag reflected back on me and was amazingly invigorating. Obviously, there's an extra element to this, and that is one of marketing. As Avtag's development continues and I start to tell more people about it, including all of you, obviously, I'm creating awareness of the product. Even if the people I directly talk to don't use the application, they may well mention it to other people, and that is massively valuable. 
In addition, in amongst the people who like the idea, there'll be a number of people who love it and are really enthusiastic about it, the evangelists. These are even more important to the success of the product and their excitement and enthusiasm is incredibly important. If people are passionate about something in a good way, then they create excitement about it and pass that excitement on to others. They want to see the product succeed and grow and their enthusiasm must be encouraged. So, by trusting a few people and then telling more and more as the development process continues, you not only get vitally important feedback from potential users, but you also have the opportunity to create a pre-release buzz, which can then evolve into launch coverage and much more awareness than you would ever get by keeping everything under wraps until the launch date. Harking back to last week, an idea is just an idea and it's worthless. The real value lies in the implementation. Don't be scared to talk to people about your idea and look on it as both a way to get feedback and opinions and also as a way to start marketing your application before it even ships. Excessive fear about someone stealing your idea is unwarranted. There's plenty of opportunity for someone to do that once the application is shipped and you should rely on the fact that you know what the application does and that you have plans for future versions to make sure that you stay ahead of the competition. Most importantly is your passion for the idea, and it's this that's going to turn it into a fabulous application, something that a copycat simply won't be able to emulate. Don't be shy. Share your ideas and get some valuable feedback. Validation of your idea and other people's ideas, suggestions and enthusiasm are all immensely important and valuable. However, also exercise some judgment and at least start out by only talking to people you trust and whose opinions you value. Well, that wraps it up for this instalment. As ever, feedback, comments and opinions are always welcome. And you can email me or send an iMessage to simon at ottersoftware.com or you can catch me on Twitter, either as SGAW or as Avtag App. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Simon, for presenting another episode of the Avtag Diaries. Simon Wolf, age 13 and a half. Okay, uh, um, let's... Um, <laughs> Let's talk. There's some interesting points there, isn't there? About you know, uh, when actually with you having just done this, Carl and, and Dave. Um, Dave is back, by the way, everybody. Um, it's uh, you know this sort of who do you share your idea with? How much should you discuss your idea? Because actually, it's through discussion that um, you would normally um, uh, yeah you you find your, your idea refines itself, and yet you know. What is too wide to start with? What is too narrow? Some people love secrecy. I think the whole point about an NDA just being a waste of paper and a waste of space, I think I'm not even going to argue with and think even needs to be discussed because I think most people understand that. And I mean, I understand what happens between corporates, but at our level. So what what are your thoughts on um, you know sharing your idea before you've even written a line of code? You know, Should you be frightened that someone's going to steal it or is that the best way of getting the whole thing refined? I'm not frightened that somebody's going to steal the idea. I'm frightened that I'm going to disappoint people. Yeah, I'm a, I've never really been too fearful that somebody's going to just kind of go in and steal everything from me if I tell them what I want to do with a project. But yeah, you know, I'm also not big on, you know, announcing it on a blog or something like that. But I'll talk to my, uh, my friends and see what they think about it. You know, it's always helpful to get that early stage feedback. 
it's funny because that's it's almost like the, the the best part of of the development process when you're just full of of possibility and dreams and and you haven't hit the the cold harsh reality of actual users. Yeah, it's it's easy to to make big announcements and say, oh, we're going to release this fantastic app. It's going to do a hundred things, and everybody's going to love it, and it's going to be the the most successful piece of software ever made. And then you, you run into things that you didn't think about along the way, or there's budget problems, or there's problems with uh, the people that you're working with, or or whatever, and you end up shipping something less than what you promised. And that's that's one of the worst things you can do, right? Is to is to ship something that that isn't as good as what you told people you're going to ship. And so Apple's policy is to just not talk about things until they're ready to ship. That's pretty good policy. Yeah. I think that, that I it, it works hate. several ways, though, doesn't it? Because sometimes, I, I think I agree with you. If, if you sit down and you do this big blog post about how you're going to change the world with your next app, which I know lots of people have done, and then it turns out to be yeah, less than perfect, shall we say. That's very different to having an ongoing discussion with the world about what an app should or shouldn't be and how it's developing and, and why you're doing stuff and just being very open with your whole process and, and sort of having sometimes there's a feeling at the end that, well, we as the world have seen this develop and, and have inputted into it and sort of have a you know a sense of companionship with it. That, that, that's quite different to just being the big announcey, announcey, announcey thing. Right, and, and I think we're we're trying to shoot for that to some degree. I mean, there's uh, I haven't finished it up yet, but we're planning to release uh, some of the numbers from the first week or two of sales, just to say, okay, so we hit the we were the number twenty app on the Mac App Store. What does that mean in terms of dollars? <laughs> and sharing things like that about the production, about the uh, the, the creation of the app, and, and the business side is anything that's that's useful to developers. Is, is useful for us to tell developers. I mean, this is a, a tool for developers. It's, it's to help people make better software. And that, that philosophy of wanting to help people make better things doesn't end at uh, selling them something. It continues on to wanting to share about uh, our philosophy and, 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 and how we approach sales and marketing, things like that, and, and how that's affected us. And so how, how long have you been shipping Slender? Since January? Sorry. Yeah, um, that... January 10th or so is uh, when it finally went live. And have you already planned your next three applications? Or <laughs> Well, we're uh, at Dragonforge. We always have you know five or six things in the pot at once. So we have uh, staggered kind of release timetables because there's more than just me working on stuff. But, but when you were, again, back on this... You're in the planning phases of, of an application. You can it, it's 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 not unusual to think about a kind of a platform of all these different pieces working together. Was that the case with Slender at all? Did you ever think about I don't know any other kind of add-on tools or or, or services or anything like that? Well, we thought it might also need to be a Twitter client. <laughs> yeah, that that was talked about um, seriously at one point, which is kind of embarrassing to have to mention. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but that's the thing; it's part of the the blackmail component, you know. Because, you, yeah. as I said, what power you have? I mean, people are all concerned about. Oh, you know, this app is is in my address book. I, I mean, I, I'm I'd be much more embarrassed <laughs> and concerned about my source codes. So. Oh, we're we're really really sensitive to that. Uh, one of the things that we'd we'd love to do, but uh, I just don't think we we I don't think people would be okay with it. Is I'd love to collect anonymous analytics. To see how much space people are really saving in their projects. Well, you could you could somehow you know break it down to carbon footprint. You know, 
we figure that you know you must be able to to figure out how much energy is required to transport you know <laughs> a bit of a, a a ping data across the across a network and and we can pretty much you know say who are the SUV the Hummer Hummer drivers of of, of app development. <laughs> well, the BS marketing really writes itself when you start. I love it. That's great. That's brilliant. It's amazing how fluid and flexible John gets whenever it comes down to BS. Okay. <laughs> There's a market for selling uh, carbon, uh, oh, what are carbon credits Pixel in there offsets. too. There. Pixel offsets. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to grab the dot com right now. <laughs> right, guys, I'm going to um, I'm going to bring this show to a close. We've been on air just for for just over an hour, and uh, I like to keep the show to uh, to around that. So, um, but I'm just going to give you uh, a chance to um, remind people who you are, tell people where they can go and find Slender, and anything else you want them to be interested in. Twitter, um, your blog, your your company websites. You know, this is this is your marketing moment. So, um, we'll let Kyle <laughs> go first, and then Dave will tell you what you should have done. Is that right? I. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> Never less marketing go first. Um, I get the, the engineer to go first. Yeah. We want to hear what it's really um, like. Then we'll, then we'll, let, then we'll yeah. let the BS come in. So uh, Slender is available for $9.99 on the Mac App Store. Um, I am Kyle Richter of Dragonforce Software of dragonforce.com. I am reachable at Kyle Richter on Twitter with all the creativity of making these varying names of my own name is how you reach me. See that, was, Dave. That, you want to uh, a, do something much better than me and uh, embarrass me here? Sure. Uh, so I'm Dave Wiskus. Uh, uh, I, I I design things. I make things pretty. I draw pictures of software for money. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at d wiskus d w i s k u s. I have a blog at uh, betterelevation.com. Uh, I work for a company called Black Pixel. We do uh, consulting services for design and development. You can find us at blackpixel.com. There we so are. you should have let him go first. Well, see, you said. Yeah, end on yeah, high note. Yeah, I could. I, could, I, I know. I like Joe's cars, Carlis. You said. You said you can get it here, and it costs this much. <laughs> Actually, mentioned the uh, the product, uh, Dave. Yeah, you did mention the product as well. Yeah, yeah. Your we, marketing you man never that, mentioned your product. Your marketing man never even mentioned the word slender. There we are. There, I'd sack him if I was you. Okay. <laughs> Right. If any new marketing people out there are looking for a job on Slender, give me an email. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> well. Dave's just not doing it very well. Yeah, <laughs> we're so glad we could have you on here and build you up so much, uh, <laughs> and then just improve your careers and your reputations. Uh, John, show them how it's supposed to be done. Well, my name is John Fox, and you can read all about my product at memoryminer.com. If you go to memoryminer.com slash blog, you can read my blog about the experience. If you'd like to follow my musings on Twitter, you can find me as at Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. That was slick, I have to say. That was much better than normal. You've obviously been challenged. <laughs> I, I, exactly. Right, I am challenged. You hit the play button. That was pre-recorded. Yeah, that's true. Uh, wait, oh, why didn't we think of that? <laughs> Would have been far easier. Trying to remember it every week. <laughs> my name is Scotty. I'm from iDeveloper TV. You can follow my uh, musings on Twitter as at MacDevNet. And um, this has been iDeveloper Live. And we have loved having you in with us, chat room, even though we've ignored you for most of the time. Dave, Carl, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on board. And we uh, wish you all the best with Slender and all the other projects that are going. And um, just going to say to you all out there, until next time, you all take care.